0: that you will be guiding us and that we will be instructed from your word to become better servants of yourself. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Do you like to complain? Do you like to complain? I'm very good at complaining, particularly when it comes to certain things. One of those things in particular is I love to complain when I'm driving. I probably shouldn't do it as much as I do, but whenever someone's doing 80 in a 110 zone, I really start to complain when they start to do 40 in a 60 zone. The other night I was following someone and they were giving way to thin air at roundabouts. They had to stop at the roundabout. They just couldn't keep going. And I started to complain. If someone's in the car, they'll know that I'm complaining about it. And if no one's in the car, I still uh, find myself complaining. We're very good at complaining about certain things. But sometimes we even complain against God. We love to complain to God. Uh, There was a woman at the church that I go to in the evenings a couple of months ago and she was talking to me. She gets very angry at God in her prayers. She actually yells at God. She complains against God. And we do that at times as well. And it's not something that's just particular to our time because we can see it here in the passage we're looking at today, in Isaiah 40. We can see that the Israelites were doing it It's there in Isaiah 40, if you've got the Bibles there it'd be good to have them open as we look at this passage together. Isaiah 40 verse 27, God says through the prophet Isaiah Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? They're complaining, what's their complaint? My way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God. These Israelites have a complaint against God. And what is that complaint? My way is hidden from the Lord is the first part of their complaint. Now, way there isn't that the, the street is hidden from the Lord. It's that their way of life, their way of uh, their manner of life, the things that they do, that that is hidden from the Lord. And that word hidden in the Hebrew is in the perfect tense which can mean that it's completely hidden. It, it's done and dusted. It, it's, it's set. It's completely hidden. God has no way of knowing. It's completely hidden from the Lord, their way. And then the second complaint is, my cause, in verse 27, my cause is disregarded by my God. The second part of their complaint is that their cause is disregarded. The word cause there can also be translated judgment or justice. So they're saying, I'm I'm not getting my rights. All these injustices are coming against me. I'm not getting my rights and I'm complaining that God is disregarding those. And the word they're disregarding, is in the imperfect, so hidden was in the perfect, this is in the imperfect, so it's got a continuous nature to it. So they're saying, my cause, I'm continually getting injustice after injustice against me and God is disregarding it. God isn't paying any attention at all. That's the complaint that these Israelites have. And that's a complaint that we make against God sometimes that he doesn't know what's going on in our life, that our way has been hidden from him and that we keep getting these injustices and God is just disregarding them. He's not paying any attention at all. Is that a complaint that you've made against God at some point in your life? That's what these Israelites were doing. But Isaiah has an answer to this complaint. And he's given it in the previous verses to them and that is that God is a powerful God. You should never underestimate that God doesn't have the power to know what is going on in the world. And so the first point this morning about the power of God is that he's powerful because he controls the entire universe. And that's there in, in Isaiah 40. Uh, particularly in verse 22, it says, He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. That is God. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. It's speaking about God's power in the universe, that He created the universe. He sits above the circle of the earth and He spreads he stretches out the heavens like a canopy. Last week we saw that God marks out the heavens by the breadth of his hand and here it's talking about him creating, him, him stretching them out and the, the word there, canopy, could actually be translated it's like a, a thin curtain, a thin veil. And so for God to set up the, the, the universe, the heavens there, it's, it's equivalent to us closing and opening curtains. It's stretching out the curtains a very thin curtain, not a heavy drapes, but nice thin little curtains. That's what it is for God. He is so powerful that it's like stretching out curtains. And then it says there also in verse 22 that he spreads them out like a tent to live in. We live in this earth and to God we, we think it, it, it's, it's huge and we have such great mansions and houses and God says it's like a tent to live in. Now I've never liked camping and that's partly because I'm not very good at putting the tents up and if you don't put up a very good tent it's fairly uncomfortable with camping experience. For God, it is, uh, the setting up the universe is like putting up a tent. It's, it's not as difficult as putting up a house, it's just like putting up a tent. God is a powerful God because to set up this whole earth and the heavens around it and the places that we live in, it's like a tent. But he continues uh, talking about his power in the universe and we see that there in verse uh, 26. It says, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? What are all these? Well, it continues, he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, Not one of them is missing. God is a powerful God because he's in control of the stars as well. So he's in control of the universe that we see around us but he's also in control of the stars up there. Now this is an important point to make because the Israelites at this time that uh, the prophecy is aimed at would have been in Babylon. In Babylon they love to worship the stars, they love to examine the stars and to pay attention to the stars. And so it would have been a real temptation for the Israelites to begin worshipping the stars, to get some power from the stars. Their way is hidden, they've got a complaint. Where do we look to for help? Well, we can look to the stars. The stars will help us. Is that a valid thing to do? No, because God is the one who is in control of the stars. We see it there. He, he he created all these, and then he brings out the stars one by one. The starry host. The word there, starry host. It could be trans. It, it's a word that's used for army often in the Bible as well. And so this is basically God's army. If they're going to work for anyone, they work for God. They don't work for people who are paying attention via horoscopes or or worshipping the stars. They work for God. He's the one that calls them each by name, it says there. So they're like his soldiers. He's calling them out, name, rank and serial number. Don't go to the stars for power because God's in control of them. And then it continues there in verse 26, it says, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God's power is so powerful that he makes sure that none of the stars go missing. Now at first that may seem pretty irrelevant to us because you know it depends how much of an astronomer you are. You may not pay much attention to the stars, particularly if you live in the city. You may not get to see much of the stars because of all the lights around. But I'm not sure if Isaiah was uh, intending this, but we know that our sun is a, a particular star, isn't it? It's just one of many stars throughout the galaxy. Imagine if our star went missing tomorrow. That would be a big problem. Because, not just because of warmth, that you know we couldn't sit in the sunshine in the morning and warm up, but because it would affect all that goes on in our world. I mean, the plants, they rely on the sun for energy. They convert it via photosynthesis and we get the energy from, uh, from them when we eat them and the, plant, uh, and the animals that eat those plants then we eat those animals. Our, our whole environment relies on that sun as a power source coming in. If that star went missing then it would be a very cold and dark and lifeless planet very soon afterwards. And people may say, oh, well, the sun always goes down and it always comes back up the next day. We don't know that that's not going to happen tomorrow. There's no proof of that. Just because it's done it every day uh, for as long as uh, we can remember or our grandparents can remember, it doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. Why does it happen each day? says there in verse 26, Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. It is God's power that controls even the greatest source of energy for our planet, from the sun. So God is powerful because he controls all the universe. Secondly, God is more powerful than any earthly rulers. He's, pow- he's powerful because he's in control of them as well. Where do we see that? We see that there in verse 23. Verse 23 it says, "He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing." Now, Isaiah's tackling particularly the most powerful people in the land. He goes to the princes. Who are the princes? They're the ones with the royal blood. They're the ones that are going to be in control just because of who they are, who they were born to. He's he's saying, "What are they in comparison to my power?" They are naught. They are nothing. And then he says, and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. He's attacked the princes. Now he's attacking uh, the rulers of the world. So these are the people who govern the land. The judges, the people appointed by the king. The people who say, you go to jail and you don't. The people with great power. He's saying that he brings them to nothing as well. In comparison to God's power, they are nothing. It says there in verse 24, talking of them no sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. The word there in verse 24 that keeps getting repeated, "no sooner," that phrase in the Hebrew, it can actually mean "never yet." So he's emphasizing that they can't—they're barely planted, they're barely sown in the ground. They really don't have any time to take any root. And then they're blown away by God. All the power that we see of the rulers of this world, it's it's very, very limited. they barely set themselves up. I mean, you you compare them to... uh, Isaiah makes another illustration of them in verse 22. It says, He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. These earthly rulers are like grasshoppers. What do grasshoppers do? Well, they they jump, they bounce up and then they go back down. These earthly rulers are like grasshoppers. They, They rise for a time but they're always destined to go back down into the earth where they came from. We do not look to earthly rulers for power and when we have a problem. We don't go there. God is so much more powerful than any earthly ruler. That's my second point this morning, is that he's more powerful than the universe and he's in control of the universe, that's why he's so powerful, but he's more powerful than any earthly ruler. And then thirdly, we know that God is powerful because he himself never gets tired. Now, this may not come as too much of a shock to you, but there are some people who believe that a God created, even even the Israelites' God created the earth, but he's gone away and left things, or he, he may have even died. We don't know. He set the world up and it's just running mechanically like you set up a clock and then leave it going. But God is still around. That's what Isaiah wants to make clear. It says that there in verse 28. Do you not know have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God We've just sung about him being everlasting everlasting arms He is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom God is eternal. He's always been and he always will be. He is everlasting. He does not grow tired or weary. He's greater than any energizer battery that we can think of that we think, oh, we know the energizer batteries say that they, they don't run out, but they do eventually. God isn't like that kind of power source. He is always uh, strong. He never grows tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. His mind is always quick and able to comprehend things. There's no one that can outthink him. There's nothing that he goes, oh, I really don't know what to do in this situation. His understanding no one can fathom. God is a powerful God because he never grows tired or weary. He is eternal. He is everlasting. So that's all very well that God is clearly quite powerful, but how does that apply to this complaint of the Israelites? Is the Israelite complaint legitimate? Is God just off a way doing his own thing and doesn't really care about, about his people? Is that a legitimate complaint that they have, that my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Well, no, because... God gives his power and strength. He is that powerful God. He gives it to people. We see that there in verse 29. He says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Now is that a good thing, that he increases the power of the weak and he gives strength? Well yes, because it's a different type of power than all men knows. And he gives a comparison. He says in verse 30, To compare the power of God that you can have he compares it to, in verse 30, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. He's targeting there two groups of people. Youths grow weir- tired and weary. Youths there are the teenagers, the teenage boys, the ones that, uh, or the really young boys that always seem to have lots of energy. I remember when I was a little boy, I remember just running for the fun of it. You know, to see how fast I could go. I just had so much energy. You'd be running about all over the place. You'd never slow down. But eventually you do grow tired and weary. I don't run pretty much anywhere today because it just takes too much work. He's saying even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Young men there, it's a word in the Hebrew for choosing so it's the select men. Now when do you select men? Well generally in this sort of day and age of, that I was in, you select them for the armies. These are the, the really fit ones that you take off to war, the soldiers, the ones that are really strong, the ones that won't stumble and fall, the ones that will be there in battle for you. It's not people like me. I was embarrassed last week at a dinner table that I had to ask my wife to take off a soft drink cap lid because I couldn't get it. Admittedly I probably loosened it for her beforehand but you know I, I wouldn't be chosen for the army. I'm not very strong. These are the select men. The people that we always rely on and depend upon. We think oh it's good to have that person a- a- at school as a friend because you know if anyone comes along they'll be a- able to defend me. But even those people, even those soldiers, they stumble and fall eventually. Their power source is a different power source compared to the one from God. He's the one that gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. We need that power, we need that strength because what happens then, we see that in verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. And so my question to you this morning is, do you rely on God for your strength, for your power? Because that's, it's so often before we become a Christian We don't rely on God. We think that we can do things all ourselves. We think we can do things by our own strength. And so we're keen to try and save ourselves, to try and get as much pleasure as we can by our own means. We say, God doesn't know what's going on, even if God is there. Our way is hidden from him. I keep getting these injustices. I have to do things myself. God helps those who help themselves. So I will have to find out how to live the good life, what is the best way to get pleasure. And if there's a heaven, it must be up to me to earn it. But eventually we struggle with the sins in our life, we try to be a good person but we keep failing and we may, uh, we may seem to, to do well in our life and, and other people look at our lives and we see how much money we have or how much success we have and how much enjoyment we seem to have and how many pleasures we experience but eventually history always tells us that everyone eventually falls. Even the young men stumble and fall. If you're not a Christian be aware that one day you will fall. And if you're relying on your own strength and you're relying on your own strength for salvation then you will fall and you will awake in hell. It's a reality that the Bible makes clear. Have you relied on Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Or are you relying on yourself? Because you need to renew your strength. You need to accept that wonderful gift. It's not good enough to say, God doesn't know what's going on in my life. My injustices are being hidden from him because we know that God is powerful. He knows everything that goes on in our lives and he cares. How do we know he cares? Because he sent his son to die. All you have to do is repent of your sins and believe that he sent his son to die and then begin to live a life that is in accordance to his law and follow him wholeheartedly Don't rely on your own strength because you will stumble and fall eventually. And if you are a Christian and you have relied on his strength for your salvation, you've relied on him and what he did at the cross, do you continue to rely on him? Because it's so easy to think that God paid for my sins but now it's up to me to make sure I live the good life that God wants me to live rather than continue to rely on God for his help. If you've ever struggled with any sin in particular, you will know that how difficult it is to overcome a sin by your own strength. You can try to put in all these measures in place to stop yourself doing that sin, but you'll continue to be caught up in it. You may even ask for man's help. You may ask for accountability partners to help you get through that sin. But if you continue to do it on your own strength, you continue to fall into that sin and that trap. You've got to ask God for continual help in overcoming sin in your life and overcoming the sufferings in your life, the experiences you may be having. You've got to go to God for help. Because if you rely on your own strength, you're just as good as these young men that will stumble and fall repeatedly. Go to God for your strength. Continue to do so. And then what happens? Verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Your strength is continually being renewed as a Christian. And then they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Notice those verbs there, those doing words in verse 31. In the last part there, they will soar, they will run, they will walk. At times it's easy being a Christian. We soar along. At times we just run. But sometimes we are forced down to a walk. But there's always progress as we are Christians. We're always making progress. It's not good enough to just become a Christian and then say, that's it, I'm just going to live on that that milk and never get onto solid food, I'm never going to grow, I'm never going to overcome the sins in my life, I'm going to repent of my sins but I'm not going to stop doing my sins. No, we have to make progress as we soar up like eagles towards heaven. That's where we're going. We have to ask God for help. We have to renew our strength, go to him for strength so that we can soar on wings like eagles and we can run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. As I finish this morning I just want to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and Paul is a great illustration of someone who continues by the Lord's strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then continuing down in verse 16, verse 16 says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Are you like the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul wasn't living a life that would have seemed all, all pleasures and all wonderful. He was living a hard life. He was persecuted. And the kind of persecutions he would have gone through, no one by man's strength would have been able to probably endure at it all. It is the reason he was able to endure it all was because he was relying on God's strength. And so as he was wasting away with his body on the outside, inwardly he was growing more and more like Jesus Christ and being renewed day by day as he fixed his eyes on what is to come. And that's where those eagles are soaring up to. Are you one of those eagles? Are you soaring with your eyes fixed upon God for power and strength? Or do you rely on your own strength each day? Let us speak with our Lord. Heavenly Father we thank you that you are such a powerful God that we have nothing to fear from earthly rulers we have nothing to fear from this universe as we hope in you. We thank you that you do not keep that power to yourself but that you give it to your people. You give strength to the weary. We pray for anyone here this morning who is feeling particularly wearisome that the struggle to be a Christian gets harder and harder struggles with uh, physical ailments and uh, this life of suffering that it can be at times that they will know your strength, that they will go to you to strength. We so often want to just be independent and do things our own way and rely on our own strength, Lord. Help us to see that for what it is, that it is futile and that we need your help. We pray that we'll always be making progress in our lives before you that we'll have the, the joy of soaring towards heaven at times, that we'll at other times be walking and then at times running, but we'll always be making progress, Lord. We pray that we'll never be just satisfied to say that we know enough about God and we need to go no further. We pray that we'll always be wanting to learn more about you and growing in our knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen.